0: Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. So, we've been going through this book, and ultimately, at what Paul's heart for the church or the Christians in Colossae for us today is that we would know and have a deeper understanding of spirituality. That we would have a deeper understanding of what spirituality means to you and to me as Christians, the way we interact with it, the way that we we dive into it. And ultimately, the hope is that you and I, as Christians, as we read a book like this and we study through it, that that our, our spiritual lives, become more than just a side note of our daily lives or a side note of who we are, but it becomes infiltrated into everything that we are. Like your spiritual life becomes part of who you are at school or at youth group, on your sports team, online. I mean, whatever friend group you're with, there's, you are a spiritual person because you are so connected with Jesus. You are walking with him and talking with him. You are thinking about him with the actions you take and the things you say. It's all, it all filters through this Jesus spiritual filter that you just become this more spiritual person with the Lord and in your Christian walk and just in your life. And so as we finish this book in verse 2 to verse 18 of chapter 4, what Paul is conveying is the truth about spirituality and service. That the fact is that, that he kind of ends this letter with this idea of service, this idea of acting out now this Christian life, like actually putting kind of rubber on the wheels or putting like boots on the ground and, and ultimately saying, like, your Christian walk in service will be effective if your spiritual walk is effective also. You know, it's kind of like the idea you want to, if you do want to step into the church, you do want to step into service, but it's just all you. It's all by your strength. Or it's all by your desire. And sometimes we see that. People step into the church to serve, but it's because they want to impress somebody. Right? Maybe there's someone they're trying to get to know. Usually it's a young man wanting to get to know a young woman a little bit more. And so it's like, well, she's really holy. She's really Christian. So I'm going to start serving at the church. Right? I'm going to step into service. But see, if it's not from the, a place of spirituality, if it's not from a place of serving Jesus first, that guy will become, he'll become bored. He'll become burnt out. It just, he becomes in a place of just like, this isn't worth it. Because the fact is of serving Jesus to a lot in this world, to most in this world, most that you will encounter in this life, you guys, they're going to look at you serving Jesus. They're going to look at you going on a mission trip during your summer. I mean, who, how many of you guys have been to gleanings? It's like if you really explain to a, per, a person, like, gleanings for the hunger, you know, we go, we go pick peaches, <laughs> like dry peaches for a week, and it's work. If you were to explain that to somebody, like, I'm going to the armpit of California, where it's 100 degrees, to work on old, stinky, noisy machines, to dry peaches, so that those peaches can then be sent all over the world to hungry kids, to hungry people. Most people, most kids that would look at you and go like, yeah, and oh, and then you're like, oh, and I paid to do that. I'm paying to go, right? Yeah, Eric's been both years with us, man. Like, it's awesome, you know? Like, the thing is, like, you tell people that, and they're like, why? Why would you do that? Wouldn't you rather stay home or go on vacation or play Fortnite for, for you know, 96 hours straight? Like, why, why would you go do that? But see, when, when Jesus, when that spirituality is something that just in, is, is just infiltrated in who we are, it also infiltrates how we serve. The main idea of this little section, you guys, is that we need to know the truth about our spirituality because from that comes true service, and that true service actually kind of then produces an ultimate prayer life with Jesus—one of wisdom and one of faithfulness. Okay, so we're going to kind of break through this tonight. I got four points for you. Uh, you'd be hopefully you're proud of me. All my points start with a C tonight, so it's very pastorally of me. I know it's awesome, huh? Yeah. Um, thank you. Appreciate that. But let's break into it. So, so service, right? Christianity, like I, like I was talking about the gleanings thing, that can be kind of odd to people. And there are a lot of things about Christianity that if you don't go to church, if you don't have a spiritual mindset, they're kind of funny, right? They can be kind of weird. You know, I, I tell, I, you guys have probably heard me tell this stupid joke, but when a new kid comes to youth group and I go meet them, I'm like, oh, so so like if we sacrifice a chicken later, right? How many of you guys heard that one? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so if we sacrifice a chicken later, you won't be bothered, right? And they look at you because they've never been here. They're like, do church people sacrifice chickens? Is that what they do? Right? Or if they're sitting here and they're like, yeah, we're, we're saved by the blood of the lamb. <laughs> like wait, what? What's going on here? I mean, there's a lot of things about Christianity that can be funny, and so I want to share a couple of those with you just because, like, again, my memes are just fantastic. So here's the first one of the night. (laughs) Isn't that a good one? Come on. Who doesn't get it? Who doesn't get it? Be honest. Who doesn't get it? Okay, you get it? You get it? Okay. Yeah. Ellie, do you not get it? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, okay. All right. All right. All right, here's another one. Here's another one. Come on, that's a good one, right? It's like, God, I have a plan for your life, yeah. Here's another good one too, right? Technically Moses, right, was the first person with a tablet downloading data from the cloud. Ten Commandments, right? He had a tablet, right? Isn't that good? How about this one? I like this one. (laughs) I mean, if you try to explain to a non-Christian that, like, like, God is searching my heart and and he's he's digging out the sin in my life. A non-Christian would be like, wait, what is God doing? Like, what is happening here? Is there supposed to be someone up there? Yeah. (laughs) No. No, there's not at all. All right. Here you go, guys. All right. Well, she's pretty and she knows God's word. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) is Is it top tier? Yeah. All right. Here's the last one for all those Harry Potter geeks. All right. Yeah, isn't that good? Sorry, guys. Yeah. Not good. Okay. That's cute. That's cute. Yeah. All right. So I lay those out because there are, there can be a lot of things about Christianity. When we say, Jesus, I want to serve you, he can ask us to do all kinds of things that to the world would be very wrong, would be very weird to probably a lot of your friends. But see, when we look at our spiritual life in service of Jesus and what that really means to us as Christians, it means so much more. So Corrie Ten Boom, who probably a lot of you have heard of, heard of yeah? Um, you've read her book, the, the, the Hiding Place, right? Amazing woman of God. She says this, she says this, the most important question is not how much work is being done, but how much Jesus is doing through you. Look up. God's ceiling is unlimited. Learn to look on Jesus and more and more you will find that Jesus is directing your wandering look towards the Holy Spirit, Core You guys, like to us as Christians, to you, as young Christians, for you to start develop to, 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 to develop your spiritual life now, at the, at the age that you are, you will be impactful service. You will be impactful men and women in your churches and on the mission fields into your community. Wherever God puts you in your adult life, the fact is if you start developing who you are spiritually right here and right now with Jesus, no telling, no telling what Jesus is gonna do in you and through you. Like Corey Tim sa- says here, God's ceiling is unlimited. No telling what God is gonna make of you, what God is gonna call you to. You guys, I was, I was 20 years old and I, I had no desire to be in ministry, none whatsoever. It was not, wasn't even a concept in my mind. To to start a ministry. And this local pastor found out I was back from a semester at Bible college, called me into his office and said, hey, you're young, you love Jesus, you want to run a youth ministry? And I just said yes. And I couldn't even have, have imagined that that 18 years ago, saying yes to that little mountain youth group where literally the very first youth group, I got kicked in the shin twice, both shins by two different kids. Like the fact is from that point to now that God is calling me and my family to the other side of the world, I couldn't ever imagine that. And then the adventure from then to now has just been a wild ride of saying yes to God over and over again and letting him develop in me what he wants to make of me. And this is what I want you guys to get here is that God is calling you to be a servant. He's calling you to serve in your local church. He's calling you to serve as men and women that impact your community, impact the men and women that God puts around you. But it starts with saying yes to God and starting with a spiritual walk with him. So as we dig in here, the first verse, the first I want to, what I want to get into is verse 2 of chapter 4. He says, "Continue steadfast. Let me find this for you guys. Continue steadfast in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So as Paul goes into this end kind of section of of Colossians, and he starts with this idea of service and spirituality, the first thing he says is continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. This right here, you guys, is calling to you and I, calling to you and I to communicate with God. This is not a, hey, when you have time, continue steadfastly. Hey, when you get a moment, like, just kind of share some time with God. Like, this isn't like, hey, three times a week, take 15 minutes in the morning and have a devo time. No, Paul is telling the church in Colossians that to remain steadfast for Jesus in the world that God had him in, and the time period that God had him in, they had to continue steadfast in prayer. They had to communicate with God. I don't know about you guys, but when I was your age, the idea of communicating and prayer were like two separate things. I'm an extrovert. I could talk to a brick wall all day. Right? I I can I can sell things to anybody. And that's communication to me. But prayer was something different. Prayer was like, like I do this every once in a while, like God hears me, and I get on my knees and I, I journal. But see, as we grow in maturity, as we grow in the spiritual walk with Jesus, it's not just prayer, this off concept, but it's a communication with God. We're communicating. Right? And communicating also isn't just like talking to a brick wall, but it's it's a conversation. A healthy conversation is both people talking. I mean, you guys think I'm awkward, right? When I come up to you and ask you odd questions and I'm like the goofy youth pastor. But when I take a kid to coffee and I'm like asking them and they don't talk at all, that is so awkward, right? The conversation goes back and forth. We gotta talk. This is conversation. This is communicating. And this is what Paul is communicating to us, saying, listen, you need to continue steadfast. See, communication is sharing our most with God, sharing our most with him. Kind of a supporting idea of this would be believers should pray with diligence, awareness, and thanks. If you're looking at how do I pray, of course, go to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Look at how Jesus prayed. But ultimately, when we look at communicating with God, what Paul here is communicating to us is that we need to be diligent first and foremost. This has to be something that is, is, is consistent and intentional in your life. We have to be aware of what we're doing. Don't just repeat something you heard on Sunday school. Don't just repeat something every single time that you go to God, but like, be aware of what's happening in your own life. Be aware of what God is convicting you of. Be aware of the sin. Be aware of the people around you that God wants you to pray for. And ultimately, just have a thankfulness before God. One of the things that will kill your, your prayer life is a place of just demanding from God. God, I need you to do this. God, I want you to come alongside me. God, I want you to, to fix this for me where I guarantee if you start in a place of thankfulness, you'll understand how much God has truly given you and you don't have the right to demand from him. Paul elaborates this in Ephesians 6.18 by saying, Pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Paul just kind of elaborates this, and there's many verses in the Bible that you can just do a word study on prayer. See how they prayed in the Old Testament with such reverence and awe before God because he was so real. Look at the prayers of Moses, the prayers of David in the Psalms where David wasn't afraid to cry out to God, to be angry at God, but yet he still had a reverence before him and a thankfulness before him. Paul there in Ephesians said that we pray in the Spirit. You guys, there are seasons in my life where I go before God and I'm, I'm distraught, I'm broken, and I don't know what to pray except, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, just have mercy on me today, I'm a sinner. And I just don't know what else to pray. I don't know what else, there's so much going on in my life, sometimes it's just like, Jesus, I just need you today. Right, maybe it's just Jesus take the wheel, I'm sorry. All right, so the idea. (laughs) But to pray, let me give you another hint here. Maybe if you're in a place where you don't know how to pray or you're struggling with what to pray for, just start praying for those around you. Pray for those you love, pray for those you hate. Pray for those who annoy you, who, who mock you. Pray for those that, that, that you are angry at and just you are just like ready to tear apart. Start praying for those around you and see what happens. See how God just opens up your heart to his heart for those people. So many times I talk to young men that are struggling with, with their parents. It's, it's a lot. Of, I know you young, young ladies do too, but young men have a special time as they get older struggling with their parents. And when they sit down with me, one of the first things I tell them is like, when was the last time you prayed for your mom and dad? And man, it's like, no, I don't know if I've ever prayed for my mom and dad. It's like, maybe you should see them as Jesus. Yeah, right? That's like, hard, huh? Yeah. But see, Jesus wants us to see this. See, ultimately, Paul, as he, as he lays this out for the Colossians, he's saying, listen, for you to succeed, for you to continue to be a witness in the, the city and the place God has you, you have to have this place of prayer. You have to be communicating with God. There has to be a steadfastness in your prayer life that you know no matter what circumstance or what's going on in your life, you know, I'm gonna go to God with prayer in it. I'm gonna go to God with prayer. I'm gonna trust him with this. I'm gonna be diligent. I'm gonna be aware. I'm gonna be thankful. So we continue on then in verses three through six for for this next section that Paul goes into. He says, let me get there. He says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. Verse four, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, make the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each other. So if the first one was communication, the next one here is, is conversation, conversation, sharing our message with unbelievers. We've, we've, kind of lost this in a lot of ways in our modern day Christianity, just sharing what we believe with those around us. We, we, we become afraid or we become kind of shaky. We we don't really know what to say. What if they ask me a question I don't know? What if they what if they get mad at me? What if what if they just hate God? What am I gonna say? Or I really enjoy this friendship or this relationship and I want to share with them about Jesus, but but what if they just what if they just ditch me? What if they think I'm weird? I want to invite them to church, but man, they would never go to church. Like this person's never been, so So, how do I invite them? We get in this place where we forget that, that conversation, sharing our life, sharing who we are with people, sharing about Jesus with people should be just as natural as breathing, you guys. It should be just as natural as drinking water. It should be just as natural as just living. See, when the spirituality, as Paul is getting to here, is so in, ingrained in who we are, then just sharing about Jesus is just sharing about your life. He is so about you. He is so, about, he's so into everything that you do so that when you just talk about yourself, when you just talk about who you are, Jesus just comes out. A supporting idea of this would be believers should share the gospel with clarity, wisdom, and grace. Now, it becomes part of who we are, but it also becomes part of who we are because we're intentional with who we are. We're intentional with it, right? Sharing the gospel with clarity, wisdom, and grace. See, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 through 11, Paul kind of takes a bigger picture of this. And I want you to read this because as Paul shares the gospel here, he gives us a great view, a great understanding or framework of how we share the gospel. He says, for I, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Basically, Paul saying, I received Jesus, so I shared with you Jesus because it was of the utmost importance to me. And because I care about you, I want to share Jesus with you. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. Verse 4, that he was buried, buried. that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to the, the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles and worthy to be called the apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am who I am or I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than all any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me or with me. Whether then I, it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. See, in 1 Corinthians 15, what Paul is giving his audience, what he's saying is like, listen, this is Jesus. This is who he is. It's of utmost importance to me. I want to share this with you. He shares the gospel of Jesus dying on the cross for the sins of this person he's communicating, but he didn't just stay dead on the cross. He rose three days later, and then he saved me, and I am broken. I'm humble. I'm the worst of all sinners, Paul is saying, but because of his grace, not because of my works, he saved me. See, what Paul here is doing is showing us that in this place of clarity, in this place of wisdom, in this place of grace, he is able to communicate and converse with people about his Jesus. Christians, I believe that every one of us are called to communicate, are called to converse to people about our faith. Every single one of us, we're called to. But it's in different ways, and I get that. Some of us are, are, like I said, extroverts. Some of us are introverts, right? And that's okay. Okay but I still believe in some way Jesus is calling you to converse with people around you about your faith, about who Jesus is to you. And yeah, if you just kind of wake up in the morning and you just kind of go, okay, today I'm gonna talk to somebody, it may be kind of messy. And it may be one of those moments that kind of kicks your butt into gear to, to start being intentional with your faith, starts being intentional with what you believe so that the next time you go to talk to that person, there is clarity, there is wisdom, there is this grace about what you're saying in it because you now know it. It's hard to communicate something we don't know, huh? You guys ever talk to somebody where you're like, this person has no idea what they're talking about. They're acting like they do, but they really have no idea. See, Christians, that shouldn't be us. Jesus should just flow out of who we are, and when people hear it, there should be an attraction, not to us, but to Jesus. There should be an attraction to what you believe, how you live, your morals, what you believe about the God that created you, what you believe God's purpose is for your life, but this is what Paul is saying, that we are to inverse. We are to share our message with unbelievers. One of the, uh, one of the craziest things I ever heard that just stuck with me, there are these comedians, Penn and Teller. Um, and so Penn, he's the tall, mouthy one. He's an outspoken atheist. And he's talking one day in this interview uh, about Christianity. He said, listen, like, I, I, would, I would believe in Christianity, but the fact is like Christians don't act like they, what they believe. He said, truly, if, Christians, if tr- Christians really believed what they spoke and preached, then they would be proselytizing, which means witnessing to everybody they met. Because ultimately what they're saying is that if I die right now, I would go to hell. And so wouldn't that person be willing to, to jump in front of a truck, tear my, like even if it hurts me, he'd be willing to, to, to tear me apart from, from that truck or from that accident because it meant it would save my life. But yet he goes, I've never met a Christian that's willing to do that. He goes, if I believe something like that, I'd be willing to jump in front of a truck for it. Now, this is, again, just a human being saying this, but, man, it stuck with me that, that, that I am called to converse. I am called to tell people about Jesus because if I truly believe what I believe, then the fact is I need to stick by it. I need to walk in it. I need to, to be bold in it, okay? So first, you guys, as we walk in the spiritual place of service, we communicate. Next, we converse with people. We tell people about our faith. We do it with clarity and wisdom and grace. And then next, as we move on, verse 7 through 18, he says, he says Tychicus, let me go there. we will tell you all about my activities. I just like that name, sorry. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Verse 9, and with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Artichesis, <laughs> my fellow prisoner greets you. And Mark, my cousin, or the cousin of Barnabas, uh, concerns, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras? who is one of you, a servant of Christ, Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in the prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Verse 13, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hermopolis. Luke, the beloved uh, physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea and to Nipha and the church in her house, And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in them. So as Paul finishes this or comes to it, we got one more verse after this. But he comes to this place of sharing community, of saying how important it is within our spiritual walk, within our, our service of Jesus that we have a community. Sharing our ministry with believers. This is what keeps us strong. I mean, believe it or not, as messy as the church can be, as, like, as like hard it can be to, to find other believers that we love and that we communicate with and we share life with, we need it. I need community around me. My wife needs community around her. The fact is we need people that we can share our ministry with, other believers that understand the struggle, other Christians that understand what it means to be Christian in today's age. See, the thing is, you guys can come here on a a Tuesday night and just play some Gaga ball and drink some hot chocolate. But see, what you're missing out on if you don't communicate, if you don't have this place of community, is that you're surrounded right now by other Christians who go to school like you do, who go to sports like you do, and they live a life. They're your age right now. They're your peers, and they have the same struggles that you do right here, right now in this life. So the supporting idea of this is that believers find comfort, help, and brotherhood with other believers. See, we find such a place of comfort, such a place of help, such a place of like community and brotherhood with other believers that you're not going to find a lot of other places in the world? Like, I don't mind sitting down with a non-Christian. and I don't mind having community with a non-Christian. We have neighbors around us that aren't Christian, and they know that we are. And we can sit down and talk. We can have dinner and a barbecue. And we can, we can talk about life and politics and all kinds of things. But see, it's when I sit down with a group of, of, of Christian men, that, that, that have a heart for kingdom-mindedness and ha- have a heart for kingdom-building. Man, I just find such like a knitting of the Spirit with those guys because our purpose, our heart is about Jesus. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than politics. It's bigger than, than anything going on in the world because we're focused on Jesus. We're focused on growing each other, not just physically but also spiritually. Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25 actually says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The writer of Hebrews just elaborates this for us, that that we need to hold fast to actually this confession of being around other Christians. We need to hold fast to to the the idea, the intentionality of having Christian friends that I can confess to, that they can confess to me, that we can pray together and pray for each other. It's not just this kind of surface level, like, hey, you meet them after church on the patio, and you, you do, hey, what's up, bro? How was your week? Good, man. How was yours? Great. Cool. See you next week. Like, it shouldn't be that. It should be a community where we share and confess and pray for one another because this is what grows us. This is what brings us to a place of understanding that I'm not alone in my Christian walk, and you guys will need that. As you choose to be young men and young women that follow after Jesus, you will need community. You'll need other brothers and other sisters around you who can help lift you up in hard times, can help encourage you when you're beat down, and help rejoice with you when there's victory. Like, this is such a, a thing that we need, to, we need to have within our Christian walk. So the third one here is community, sharing our ministry with believers. And then finishing off, verse 17 and 18, as we finish tonight, you guys, and he says to, to Akripas, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So the last one tonight, you guys, is commitment. All right, commitment. Fulfilling the call God has on your life. See, I hope that in you guys, in every one of you, as you've, you grow and mature, as you get to know Jesus more, as you become more of the Christian young man and Christian young woman, there becomes this sense in your, you get this sense in your heart where, man, I want to finish strong. I don't, wanna, I don't want to, 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 you know, flame out one day. I don't want my faith just to be something that I say, well, I did it, one, I did it when I was a kid and I went to church but I want to finish strong. I want to be a Christian dad. I want to be a Christian mom. I want to be a faithful parent. I want to be a faithful husband or wife that that serves Jesus within the community and the place God puts me. But see, you guys, this all takes commitment. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You can't just put the Bible under your pillow every night and it just kind of like spiritually fills your head when you just sleep on the Bible. It doesn't happen like that. But yeah, (laughs) that'd be easy, huh? But see, fulfilling the call God has on your life, it takes a place of commitment of saying yes to Jesus. I love verse verse 17 that says, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. See, as Paul's last exhortation to the pastor here, we believe this is the, the pastor of, of Colossae, is that, that he would fulfill this ministry that he didn't make, that he didn't create, right? He didn't just become a pastor one day, but the fact is God put on him the call to be a minister, and now Paul is exhorting him saying, fulfill this calling continue in it. Stay steadfast. Don't give up. And the same call would come to you and I. I don't care what age you're at as you read something like this. This should strike a chord in your heart saying, man, I, I don't want to give up. I don't want to walk away from my faith. I don't want to hit college and then just go, yeah, I went to church when I was younger, but I grew out of it. Or or I, I realize that science is better than faith or 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 you know, secularism makes more sense than, than Christianity. I I would hope and I pray that none of you come to that place. But see, ultimately, it's going to take commitment today and spiritual growth today so that one day you don't don't come to that place of, of allowing the enemy, of allowing this place of fading away to come into your life. See, lastly, the supporting idea of this is that God has gone before you, is with you now, and will go before you as you press on. See, when we walk in a spiritual place, when we we have time with Jesus, when we pray, when we read the Bible, when we we think of God, when he he is part of all that we are, we start to understand the concept that God has always been. He's been at every place of our life. We understand that God is with us right here and right now, whatever circumstance you're in, and God is before you. He will always be before you. See, before every faith step that we've taken as a family, uh, or Eric and I have chosen to take following after God, Erica's always had a specific prayer of God showing her that he is is in the next place we're going, that he is before us. Okay, And it's been crazy things. Before we moved to Santa Cruz, the first time we walked into the youth group in Santa Cruz, there was a verse on the wall that was specifically something that Erica had been praying over. God showing her that I am before you there. When we moved here to Monterey, our first time here to Calvary Monterey, as a stupid youth pastor, I coined the the phrase dole, die once, live eternal. right? Instead of YOLO, right, you only live once. Die once, live eternal. And we go to pull in the parking lot here at Calvary Monterey, and what's the sign out there? Dole, right? Just like, okay, God, you're before us. And you guys, like the last day in Thailand, the last day of, of, of being in Thailand, we got to play with some elephants. We were rafting down this river in these bamboo sticks, right? And these bamboo, like, boats, I don't know, they were kind of silly. But anyway, well, I, <laughs> we're rafting down, and, I, and someone says, hey, look, that, sh- the, that, that shirt this guy's wearing. And one of the, raft, the river guys was wearing a shirt, right? And I look up, and Erica looks over, and she goes, Josh, that's it. The guy was wearing a Phil's Fish Market shirt from Moss Landing over here. I mean, this is on the other side of the world. Who knows how he got that shirt? Who knows? I guarantee you that guy had never been to America, especially to Monterey. To, 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 and I don't even know how old this shirt was, right? Like, I don't even know if they're around anymore. But anyway, the guys were in a Phil Fish Market shirt. And see, for Erica, that was God showing her, I am before you. Like, I am before you, I am with you, and now I am ahead of you. I'm already preparing this for you. And so you guys, when we walk in a spiritual place, when we understand that that there's commitment to our faith, God continues to be more faithful, more committed to you, the more committed we are to him. Hebrews 12 verses kind of 1 and 2 says, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And also in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, it says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. See, God is so good. And see, as we choose this life to to walk as not just a nominal Christian that just kind of goes to church, and kind of marks off the boxes, but when we say, Lord, I want to go deeper, I want to be more faithful, I want to grow in you, and we, we grow our spiritual walk, and we grow this in this spiritual person where we're not just a physical Christian, but we're also a spiritual Christian before the Lord, and he starts to use you, and you start to grow, and become more bold in your faith, you watch. As God calls you, you can never outgive him. You can never outcommit him. You can never have more faith than the faith that he has for you. It's this amazing thing that he gives us, you guys. And so as we look at these four, as we look at these four things that Paul lays out, again, it's this place of communication with God. It's this place of conversation with others about our faith. All right, we we look at community as important, something that's that's real that we need. And ultimately, it comes to commitment of us saying yes to Jesus every day. And as we grow and we mature, no matter what the circumstances happen, we keep saying yes to him in each and every way. Now, finishing out, guys, I don't want to take you too long. I've got some principles for you. Just kind of the whole of chapter four. And if you want to go through these more, you know, the notes are in the back. You can kind of study this a little bit more. But first off, prayer should be more than an occasional emergency. It deserves our constant attention. Believers' prayers uh, should be conduct, conducted with a, knee, a keen sense of spiritual awareness. Uh, oh, my gosh. A keen sense of spiritual al- alternance. Evangelism uh, begins with praying and uh, for opportunity. What what are you guys laughing at? Alertness. Alertness. That's what I said. Evangelism begins with praying for opportunities. Shut up. Um, (laughs) Opportunities for evangelism are everywhere. Opportunities for evangelism must be seized. Faithful evangelism is a matter of combining a wise walk uh, with flavorful talk. God uses ordinary people to accomplish His work. Vital ministry is accomplished through a team of people. These are amazing principles that you can start to apply to your life as you grow and you mature for Jesus, all right? There's some applications back there, too, but I want to let you guys go to small groups. You got the small group notes also in the back, and your small group leaders have them. But you guys, I love you. Thank you so much for for letting me teach through the book of Colossians with you guys. We finished out the season. And, um, yeah, we got got one more big party at the end of the month, which is going to be a lot of fun. So, So come up to that one, okay? Um, so we pray over you and get to small groups. Right? So Father, we thank you. We praise you for what you're doing here. God, you are so full of grace in so many amazing ways. So we give you tonight. I pray and ask that these these young Christians would just continue to grow and mature, to be convicted, um, Lord, and just to, to come to a place of knowing you deeper. God, we praise you in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m., If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at joshuas at calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at ymcalvary.